Well, Sports Nets is really grateful to have Fani Develis with us today and chat about cricket and look at his career and some of the things that he's achieved. So, Fani, welcome to the show. Really great to have you here. And yes, you, you come with the nickname Finnecha Fani, and yes, you definitely were first. But you also know a group of players that perhaps push you to always be at your best. Yeah, I think we played in a wonderful era. If you uh, have to look back in time, um, it's quite interesting to, to, to try and understand the world of rebel cricket, the world of, of serious uh, seasoned uh, professionals that played in those days. Yeah. Um, I had to try and get rid of the likes of Clive Rice, uh, Stephen Jeffries, um, Garf LaRue, those kind of players you had to, to get out the team, to get into the team. Mm. So it wasn't easy, and it and it and it was a it was a privilege to play amongst those players and and benefit from them obviously quite a bit. Um, and then uh, when we started, we were all seasoned cricketers. We were all 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33 years old, starting mm. to play cricket for South Africa in the new era. Obviously, a lot of us have played in the rebel era, and <coughs> hence the reason saying that it was a special era. If you didn't really play with the old Springbok badge, uh, went over to, to all the different badges and jackets that we had until we ended up five, six, seven blazers later wow. with the Pratia Stripe blazer, then I want to say you haven't really played for Seraphine cricket uh, as such because you, you didn't understand and you didn't experience the changes. Mm. So we were fortunate enough to have played in that era and it was absolutely pleasurable. No, excellent. But you also played with, I'd say, a lot of determination and always wanted to, I'd say, prove your ability. And that's also fundamental in terms of actually making it as a top-class cricketer. Yeah, you also have to look at the pressures behind the scenes. <coughs> if you look at um, the likes of the players that's trying to push you out of, out of your seat, mm -hmm. um, the likes of the players that you had to try and push out of your seat, it created certain pressures, it's created certain academic uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, analysis to try and stay ahead of the pack. Uh, I've had, over the last 20, 25 years of commentary, <coughs> I had a look at many players that was playing, and I kind of uh, uh, thought myself, who's pushing this guy? Nobody's really out there, there pushing him mm. to, to do better and to change and to adapt and to evolve the game. Uh, where in, in, in that early, uh, that late 80s, um, early 90s, you were forced to evolve. You were forced to, to make the game better. You were forced to, to bring something to the table all the time to, uh, uh, to, 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 to get better and do it better. So it wasn't just the players around you that you played with, but the players behind you that's blowing your neck, that's obviously trying to get into the system that made you more calculated and, and, and probably more effective. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. And it makes me think then, you know, and I'd like to get your thoughts on the new tiered system. Do you believe that tiered system will put pressure on any of the current SA setup? Um, and is it going to produce the, the right leaders for the country in any way? Well, let's face it, it's very much the same system as when I played. Um, I think everybody knew a lot of players when you were playing that never had your opportunities. <coughs> the more teams that's available, the more franchises, the more groups uh, that's available, the more opportunities there are. And, and the more you get the, the odd player that didn't really play Nuffield that can get into the system, like the Markrams, for instance, um, uh, that never played really Nuffield cricket. So uh, you need a bigger system, you need a wider system, um, even a tiered system, as, as you call it, 
to, to, to just give opportunities to players. And I think where there's a lack of opportunities these days, especially with politics, especially with bad development, especially with, with worse coaches than I think we had in our day, you, mo you need more of this than ever before. To, to help every single player in this country that's trying to play first-class cricket and to become good enough, as good enough as possible in the shortened space of time. So uh, hopefully the new system will, will develop that and will give more players the opportunity to develop. I've seen a lot of players um, coming from townships. I've seen a lot of players coming from good cricketing schools that takes five, six, seven years to evolve to good cricket players. And that's not good enough. You need to, to evolve the process quicker and hopefully the guys got it right by uh, getting more people involved, more players involved, more coaches involved, more older players involved, which is a massive talking point, uh, to develop the youngsters to a better level so much quicker. Definitely, because, you know, I just I was watching a bit of England play in New Zealand and I enjoyed that cricket. I thought it was competitive. It was, it was a nice series to watch. But, you know, there were skills there. It was really good to see the guys play. Um, and I'm just thinking of your era as well. There were number of swing kings, if I can call them that, they move the ball around. Is that still happening now? Or is that one area of skills that we need to focus on specifically in this country? Yeah, we don't really need to, to make it a negative discussion, do we? Uh, I think there's a lack of, there's a massive lack of skills. Yeah. I think it would be remiss of me not to, uh, not to kind of allude to the lack of swing bowling that we've had over the last few years, mm. over the last 15, 20 years for that matter. Um, <coughs> I do see the benefit of the Duke ball. Um, if you look at the West Indian series that just been played, I've never seen Nguyen and those guys on a consistent basis swing it away. So the ball is obviously helping and obviously benefiting a lot of bowlers. And if that's going to be a ball that's going to be used <coughs> more over the world, wherever they play, um, you're probably going to have a better contest between bats and ball. But uh, I don't think it's coaching that gets it there. It's, it's definitely the ball in this specific case helping out a lot. But uh, when it comes to the real expertise, the real IP, the real cricket IQ that one needs to develop, uh, the discussions between opposition players that, that, that used to swing the ball or that swung the ball, um, sitting hours and hours after games, having a chat, trying to reminisce on, on what they did and what they did wrong over the years and, and trying to get a happy medium. Uh, it looks like that is the only way to get it these days. I can't see the coaching really happening behind the scenes uh, to benefit uh, the bowlers, obviously, when it comes to that extra swing and extra line and lengths and extra uh, angles that needs the ball to swing more on one day and less on the next day. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I haven't seen much of it in the last 25 years of commentary. Uh, I've seen the ball wide outside off stump swing, but I haven't seen it swung from off stump. And that makes it dangerous when it comes to trying to win series and trying to be the best in the world. Yeah, no, I hear with you. And, but just talk to us about it, Fani, because that, that was so interesting in 2018, the whole um, ball tampering incident. Just give, give us a breakdown. How did you actually pick it up, Fani? What, what was going on? So you were commentating I've the time, if I'm mistaken. I've got the last six balls that I played a test match with against Pakistan. And uh, it was at St. George's Park. And it had a lot to do with reverse swing um, deliveries. Uh, I've got the proof of how the ball was scratched in those days. I've got uh, the likes of what a ball should look like after 80 overs on a surface that's got a lot of grass on it, or that's got enough covering on it, rather. And uh, their ball looked completely different from, from our balls. Okay. So, obviously, um, uh, they used different tactics. We used, I did get my last wicket with reverse swing. 
but I got it through wetting the one side of the ball, making it heavier, and then the reverse swing took place. Um, in South Africa, you can't get reverse swing within the first 25, 30, 35 overs because there's too much grass covering on it. The ball gets looked after too well mm. by the grass cover. <coughs> the first test I didn't do against Australia. Um, it was already discussed uh, amongst the players and, and, and the media, uh, the super sport people, that it's impossible for Stark to get uh, reverse swing so much quicker than any South African bowler. And when I joined the team on the second test match, Obviously, I was also part of discussions around uh, lunch tables and, and dinner tables around uh, the ball cannot swing before 30, 40 overs or reverse swing before 30 overs. We must keep on scrutinizing, trying to catch them out because they're obviously doing something illegal. And it happened. Uh, a super sport production was very good at it. They, uh, from start, even before I started that commentary session, that specific weekend, tried to catch the guys out. Uh, I was just there to reaffirm to everybody because I, I could get reverse swing in those days when I played that the, the cricket wicket, the pitch can't reverse swing that early. Mm -hmm. And uh, luckily we caught the guys out and uh, you could just have a look at the stats of their players before and after and it proves that they obviously used uh, illegal ways of doing it. And I'm feeling sorry for Bancroft, uh, Bancroft and a couple of other guys um, uh, that got caught out that was forced by the bowlers as far as I'm concerned and forced by the coach yeah. that said he didn't know anything about it. Luckily, he's not there anymore. But the reality is um, uh, conditions decide reverse swing. Conditions decide when reverse swing will start taking place, when the ball will be scuffed up enough to, to start reverse swing through aerodynamics. And then obviously, if you want to wet it and uh, get a lot of sweat on it, then you can get reverse swing that way too. I think the, the, the Pakistanis were great at it because they had a double whammy. They worked on the ball and they also must have wet the ball a lot on the one side, the shiny side. So uh, <coughs> Wacky, Yunus and, and Vasim was wonderful exponents of it. Excellent. Sure. Interesting. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it shook the cricket world, but it's, it's one of those things. But Fani, in your mind right now, who's who would you consider as the best swing bowler that we currently have in, in the world? Well, you have to look at Anderson, um, the finesse that he's got, the finesse of swinging it in and out, which can be coached. <coughs> the, it's a pity he hasn't got the pace that everybody else has, mm. uh, else has got. That's uh, probably the reason that he's using so many test matches uh, to get to the amount of wickets he takes. But it's wonderful to see him swing the ball both ways. It's wonderful to see him set players up. Uh, it's wonderful to see professional coaching around him or professional analysis around him, even if mm. it's just uh, the players, the senior players around him. Him and Broad is a wonderful combination. Um, I was very surprised to see the swing bowling of the South African fast bowlers uh, recently, how they hit the ball outside of stump, getting it to move away with the Duke ball. Uh, <coughs> I don't think they would have done it with a Kukubara, but uh, if we can get that Duke ball into our system, it's definitely going to be a much better uh, battle between bat and ball. But yeah. when it comes to swing bowling, the king of swing uh, of all time, Richard Adley and, uh, and Dale Stain. I don't <laughs> think the planet has seen any better no. swing bowlers, mm. exponents of swing bowling like the two of them. I think yeah. they were the best planet has ever seen, and their stats proves it. Yeah, no, Dale Stain is absolutely right. He's, yeah, world-class. And I think, yeah, I know he hasn't taken as many wickets as James Anderson. I still think to swing a ball at that speed that he did and with the control, it's it's actually unreal. It's brilliant. It's, it's fantastic. If, uh, if Dale Stain, if Dale Stain, and I'm under correction here, have played the same amount of test matches, 
than than Anderson, he would have taken probably three times more wickets. Oh, yeah. No, he, yeah. So, no, I agree with you. You have, to, yeah. you have to be realistic. Everybody needs to be realistic when it comes to mm. the amount of uh, games played and wickets taken. Mm. So if you get a good athlete that can play that can play two, three, four hundred test matches, it doesn't mean to say he's the best swing bowler that's ever been. Uh, wickets doesn't stay that. The amount of games you play versus the amount of wickets you take. If you can average five wickets a test match, uh, then you're one of the top two, three, four, five in the world. And he's always way five wickets per test match, by the way. <laughs> no, excellent, Fadi. Brilliant. But you mentioned something there, and it's quite interesting. There's, like you said, there's a good partnership between Stuart Broad and James Anderson. Good leadership there. Something that's also, I think, perhaps been lacking in the South African setup. I know Dean Alga is the captain, but is there a good leadership system in the camp at the moment? One would never know, would we? We're not part of it. Mm. Um, <laughs> all I know is if you've got the likes of Anderson and Broad, if you've got the likes of of, of Shane Warne um, and the fast bowlers around his bowling attack, Lynn McGrath, those kind of guys that, that ruled for many, many, many years, it had to prove that the management of that system was fantastic. Uh, Buchanan, doesn't matter who it was, uh, he held the team together, held the physios together, he held the bikinators together, he kept his players on the field. We haven't seen that in South African cricket for a long time. And that's that's very worrying for me, is that you've got wonderful young bowlers that, that takes much more time to develop than they should. And even if they do get there, then they start losing swing. Rabada was yeah. a wonderful away swinger. He's struggling to swing it away. This last game, he started swinging it away again. Um, why are the players losing those abilities? Mm. Is it getting and keeping the knowledge in, inside of the system? Is the, the key ingredient for the likes of England and those players uh, that, that, that hangs around for a long time? <coughs> Is it proper management that controls the system within that keeps the players on the field, uh, that gets them to develop, that gets them to evolve so much better um, than anybody else. Um, that needs to be scrutinized. And me or you, nobody will know what's really happening within those circles. And I do hope that there's a, a hinge of, 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 of that kind of professionalism coming. Um, we need that in any case to become a force in, especially at this period. Yeah, definitely. Because you know, looking at it, it almost seems like we, we are in our own league at the moment. And what I say is that if, if, if we had to put up as against England, Australia, India, New Zealand, we wouldn't do well at all. Whereas we're too strong for Bangladesh, Sri Lanka and the West Indies. It's almost like we're in our own, own league. Does it make sense what I'm trying to say? Um, where are we at the moment? We are giving caps away to players that's not good enough. Mm. We are, are hanging on to straws. Um, uh, trying to find our way in a new system. Mm. We are uh, trying our best. That's not even a question. I know Supersport is trying their best from their side to 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 mobilize the game. Um, I don't think it's happening at provincial cricket yet. I think we've got uh, we've got a twenty five to thirty percent quality lack of what what South African cricket was many many years back. We are in a in a in a mobilizing system. That's possibly going to get better, but it's going to take time. Um, I'm just glad to see how we played against the West Indies. I'm glad to see the, the likes of Ngidi and Robara doing well with a new ball. <coughs> I love watching um, uh, Nokia, the way he try and bowl fast. Uh, so there's a lot of good players around. There are a lot of guys 
that's really trying their best and trying to get better at what they do. I just honestly do hope that the system can support them, that the system can accommodate them. I can't see that happening from South African cricket. I can see that happening from local cricket, from the Titans and, and the Dolphins. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, the expertise is really going to come from the top. Mm. I think it's going to be localized, uh, especially, especially with a new system too. And I do hope that we get a few people that's really passionate about the game, that's really out there to make the game better and not to just to, to, to do it for themselves. Uh, then we are going to see much more of the Ngiris and the, and the, and the likes of the Marcos for that matter to get through the system. I'm worried, for instance, about um, a lot of our youngsters, and I'm talking about the, the, the really good players, the Hamzas, the Klaassens. The, oh, Rain is um, also doing quite well. Well, he, domestically, yeah. But the reality is, why are they taking so long to develop into top-class cricketers? Again, good, very good question. Yeah, That is my worry. My worry is not that we have the players. My worry is how long does it take them to evolve towards one of the top two, three, four in the country? It's, how bad is local cricket versus international cricket that they take so long to become <coughs> international cricket players? Some of them are, are, are really uh, players that makes me anxious at provincial cricket but I do, I do know that the quality of provincial cricket is not as close to international cricket as it should be. And I know for a fact that a lot of these youngsters are going to struggle. And when they do get there, they do struggle. Um, why is it taking that long? And I hope we can address that. That is what needs to be addressed locally. <coughs> That's what needs to be addressed properly to evolve the players quicker to get them ready for international cricket. And I can't see that happening in the next few years. Yeah, I'd love to actually, you know, ask England how they get it right because if you look at their test squad setup, they could actually put out two teams that are almost identical in strength. So they've done something right at the moment. You know, if those you can say they had, yeah. You can say exactly the same with New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, you could. There's yeah. a strength, the best in the country plays, the best I use for coaching. Mm. <coughs> I don't think we've reached the point yet where the best can be pulled into the system and can be held within the system. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter who you are, or what culture or creed you come from, if you're good enough to, 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 to mobilize your young players, you must try and, and, and stay in the system. And the money should be enough to keep these guys in the system. There's a lot of guys out there that's mm -hmm. purists that can mobilize young people. The likes of, of senior players at provincial cricket, and I'm talking about proper senior players, after they retire at the first last game, they go to big side cricket and they coach the B sides. They're the captains of the B sides just to mobilize those youngest to evolve them quicker so that they can get ready for sure. first class cricket. It's not happening in this country a lot. And uh, that's one of the smaller things that should be addressed. No, I hear you. It does make a lot of sense. But then, you know, finally, as we're talking and, you know, we want the guys to do all, we want them to win. You know, we're so used to seeing so many good victories. And I always refer to when Graham Smith. We took South Africa to number one in 2010. We won in England. You know, those were like, that's South Africa. That, that's what we're used to. But how do we manage expectations? I know we're saying that a few things need to change, but how do we manage it and say, okay, right, you know what? Let's just be with these guys where we are at the moment and maybe they'll sort it out. But, you know, how do you, I don't know, how long do we wait for? How do we manage this expectation? Let's be fair. I think you can't use an exception as a rule. Um, the the Grainsmith, A.B. de Villiers, Stalestein, Morkel era was a special era. That comes mm. once in a lifetime. Mm. Um, let's not use them as a rule. What we can use as a rule 
is that we've got a lot of seriously talented, young, good cricket players. And whatever happens within the system needs to be scrutinized, it needs to be analyzed, it needs to be discussed by senior players, by people that knows the game, that people that, that, that cherishes the game of cricket. And hopefully through that, one can get a few extra ideas to mobilize the system to a better unit because we have got the players. It's just a matter of pitching up and uh, giving those guys every single opportunity that one can have. You're not going to do that with a Jarkalis outside South Africa. You're not going to do that with a Dale Stein coaching somebody else. You're going to do that with those kind of likes of players within our system that was really world beaters, that really knew what it takes to get to the top of the game. Uh, those are the kind of people that's, uh, that, that needs to be in the system. And I don't think we've got at this stage a political will to accommodate all of those top players. Um, we've got Boucher there, we've got um, Graham Smith there, but I'm not too sure how many rules and regulations are around them all the time mm -hmm. to make it difficult. So I think we all know the answers. It's just a matter of, of getting the right people involved that loves the game of cricket, that's willing to give some of their private time uh, and, and, and mobilize the system from within to, to, uh, to get South African cricket where it should be. We've got one of the best um, uh, school cricket systems in the world, yeah. um, developing the most wonderful cricket players because of our local derbies that uh, other countries don't have. They haven't got that school versus school kind of scenarios that, that we have. A lot of club cricket is played overseas, England, Australia, New Zealand, wherever. Um, we're losing that benefit because I don't think uh, the right people are always uh, trying to manage and sort cricket out. Mm. Mm. Now, here. Lots of valid points there, Fani. Very, very good. But 427 first-class wickets for you. That is, that is quite an achievement, I believe. Um, do you lay down that, that result just to pure hard work and a willingness to maybe do a bit more than expected? Yeah, I think there's 100 wickets shy there of LBs I never got without the referral system. Uh, <laughs> some, of, some, of the highlights, some of the highlight games that I've got that Dad used to tape up I promise you, I had 10 wickets many a time in a test match. And uh, the referrals just didn't, didn't, wasn't allowed. And patriotic umpires, uh, not local or not, not, not all local umpires rather, made it very, very difficult to get mm. captains and the likes of vice captains out. Needless to talk about the better players, the better batsmen. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a, it was a healthy, good organized, proud, system that I played cricket in. Mm. And uh, I can't see today's players saying the same. And that's sad. We had the most wonderful uh, support off the field. Uh, we had Benz and Hedges games, local games that were sold out. There yeah, wasn't a ticket that. available. Mm. We couldn't give uh, the three, four tickets just to family members. You had to give that to friends too that, that, that's been asking you and begging you for a long time to give them an opportunity to watch the games too. You go to grounds now, and have you got a hundred people watching? Mm. I'm afraid to say the, yeah. the 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 surroundings aren't the same. The pride isn't the same. The clothing isn't the same. Um, the patriotism uh, in your province isn't the same. There's a lot of fighting going on with all the power struggles within provinces, within everything. And and at the end of the day, a lot of the good, a lot of the better sportsmen are probably going to take up tennis and take up rugby, take up something else um, and, and, and not waste time 
with a system that might not be able to support you uh, if you really work hard. And uh, I'm sad to say a lot of factors are playing a massive role in South African cricket today. We are playing cricket in the new era. <coughs> if other countries can still do it well, then we can do it too. I just think uh, a little bit of fine-tuning in there can make a massive difference. We all love the game. Every single super sport producer, every single super sport, uh, every single umpire, every single player, doesn't matter where it comes from, how easy he got it, how difficult he got it, we all love the game of cricket. And it's just a little bit of fine-tuning in there that can really make a massive difference. And I can see the same with West Indian cricket. They love cricket. They crap, but they love cricket. They just need a little fine-tuning to, to really make a big difference in their cricket. And uh, they can be world beaters again, like they were in the 1970s, 80s. You just need that pride. You need that something special. You need that special ingredient to take you to the next level of performance uh, and not give up. Mm. Well, maybe it's a case where, you know, once you hit absolute rock bottom, the only way is up. Let's see. Let, let's hope. Because I, I'm not too sure. Yeah, we we, I know we're playing West Indies now. <laughs> 5-2-2020s and I think we're going to Ireland for some white ball cricket and I'm not too sure what happens after that but yeah this is a very important time we we need to do well we need to get some confidence back and we we need to do well so it's yeah it's an important and Ryan, let's, let's face it it's not all doom and gloom yeah. um, everybody's going through phases our companies are going through phases our family life are going through difficult phases Cricket is also going through a tough phase, and it's uh, it might be <coughs> it might feel like um, there's a lot wrong. Uh, it might be short-lived. Who knows? It might change completely within two, three years. No, definitely. Well, funny, you are a busy man, and if I'm not mistaken, you're still commentating on cricket. What are you doing with yourself at the moment besides commentating? I've been part of <coughs> I've been part of Nadolis company, um, Hansa Flex, uh, for the last twenty-five years. Um, I'm also part of uh, Omega Security, I'm also an ex-co of the company, uh, that's doing a lot of work, obviously, in the security world, um, right through Africa, um, big shopping centers, estates, uh, wherever. So I've been part of the two systems for a long time. And uh, recently, I moved into, into, into the world of um, pharmaceuticals, um, being a company that was started in 2006. <coughs> Sorry, I found a member too. And uh, big things are expected from the company soon. And uh, it's probably going to be in the news also soon on clinical trials that was done. Um, so a, lot, a lot's been happening behind the scenes. And, and on top of that, the luxury of my life is the family, mm -hmm. uh, where I stay and, and, and the enjoyment of my kids and their sport. Uh, that's been part of, part of a, a second group of, of, of support that I had. Um, uh, second family for that matter. And it's an absolute uh, blessing in disguise uh, to see these guys play sport and enjoy them and, and enjoy the misses working with the kids again and, and schooling and, and everything that keeps one busy. Uh, that's where the true meaning of life is, to be honest. Mm. No, excellent, excellent. And finally, uh, one point of view, and, and this may have some different uh, opinions, but, you know, growing up, I saw this guy play cricket and, very good all-rounder, did a lot of good things for the game. You know, that was the, the impression that we got. But Hansi Kronia, um, is that a type of leader that we possibly need again? What are your thoughts? Um, did he take the game forward for the country? What was it like? Is he someone like a mold that we need again? <coughs> Hansi was schooled by the same people that I was schooled by. Um, if you look at the, the likes of 
the mean machine days when he started playing as a youngster. Um, the likes of, of the Graham Pollocks, the Kevin McKenzie's, the uh, Omar, of the, uh, you can go straight through to all the batsmen from, from uh, um, I don't even have to go to all the names. It's, uh, from, from the Fonderiums to the Cooks. Uh, they played a massive role in South Africa. Then we need to go down to Cape Town and find out how they played and how tough those games were, uh, how fit the players had to be. So he was schooled in an era where I think personally, today's cricket will have less fat players if Hansi Kronier was around. They would be fitter. Uh, that's not even a question because obviously a guy like him training with Zola, but they were, they were definitely support behind the scenes that other companies might not have had. But the reality was he was schooled in a professional era. He was schooled in a proud era, an era that really made him uh, see much more and probably cleverer than most captains around. Needless to say, we can't we can't give everything to him. I think it's important to also identify <coughs> as a senior player that uh, played a massive role. When he was selected as captain, we even spoke to Dante Rose. He said no, he's a youngster. Hansi said yes, and obviously he was the next guy to follow. Um, uh, but we were all 29 to 33 years old. That that also mobilized Hansi's ways. Mm -hmm. That also mobilized um, the way of South African cricket. He was the link between the public and the players. And uh, and he was a good link too. He was a good-looking link. Um, he was temperamental, like most captains should be most probably. Um, he made a lot of mistakes, like most captains also do. He probably made less mistakes than other captains. But the reality was he had a very strong system around him that held him intact. And the moment those, those senior players fell out of the system because of their four, five, six, seven-year maximum uh, tenure, that they used to have from the age of 28 when we started myself, Brian McMillan, Craig Matthews, uh, <coughs> uh, uh, Cullinan. When the moment we left, he was all on his own. And the problem was with him all on his own, he, he became the most important cricketer in South Africa and he became more important than most of the administrators. The senior players around him could still hold him intact, but I'm afraid to say when that, when that disappeared, then he became too important. And it's sad on what happened behind the scenes. Um, the reality is he did a lot of great things um, and he also made South African cricket up badly, to be honest. Um, till today, I get people saying to me, ah, Hansi, lekker, Owens which is not the case. It should happen after we stop playing cricket. And, uh, and that's sad to have that kind of, and, and we experienced recently in Australia, the same field when kids started taking posters off walls after the, the, the ball tampering scandal. Uh, that's exactly what happened with Australian cricketers and, and, and I, uh, a lot of the media was obviously scrutinized towards us too that were plays in those days and we also had to talk about posters being taken off walls because of what Ansi did and what happened behind the scenes with a couple of players. So uh, uh, a lot of doom and gloom but a lot of good too. And yes, to get back to your question, his uh, ethics, his kind of stringency captaincy that he had the, the likes of a Kepler Vessel that was a very tough captain. Mm. Uh, those are the kind of captains we need today. Guys that can stand their ground, that's strong enough to take up uh, to take the system on, that's strong enough to mobilize the system to better results, that's strong enough to mobilize the system to more senior support in certain areas that one needs uh, when it comes to cricket players that can really make a difference, that can really make a difference behind the scenes uh, and also in the media. 
um, I don't think we've got those anymore. And that makes it very, very hard. Uh, you're right. Yeah, sure. There's a lot to it. Eh? It's interesting, funny, really, really interesting. But thank you for your, your thoughts on that, because, yeah, um, it's interesting to see different perspectives, but really, really nice. But uh, I'm glad we we're able to talk openly and freely. It's good. It's important. We need to hear these things. So thank you for your, your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Fani. Thank you very much. I've always been a, a supporter of the development of the game, mm -hmm. the making it better for the game. I come from a, a, a group of people that didn't have access to good coaching, to good um, supportive systems in cricket. We fought a lot of battles in the 80s and the 90s, and I think everybody's got about access to that now, yeah. which means that South African cricket can go to the next level just by the right decisions. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, yeah, let's see. It's still, <laughs> yeah, interesting times. But yeah, Fonny, thank you so much. Thanks. Have a good one. Have a good evening, Fonny. Cheers. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. <laughs>